Tishnars, water middens, all wandering meermuts. These water middens, or water maidens, are like the beauty of the moonlight. The countless voices of fountain, torrent, and cataract are theirs. They, with others of Tishnar's maidens, come riding on their belled zevaras, and a strange silence falls where their little invisible horses are tethered. While perhaps the maidens sit feasting in a dell, grey with moonbeams and ghostly flowers, even the sullen Mullabruck learns somehow of their presence, and turns aside on his fours from the silvery mist of their glades and green alleys, just as in the same wise a cold air seems to curdle his skin when some haunting Numa passes by. All the inward shadows of the creatures of Munza Mulgar are Numinossis, all their phantoms, spirits, or Mirmuts are Tishnars, and so there is a never-ending changeableness and strife in their short lives. The leopard, or roses, as they call her, for the beauty of her clear black spots, is Mirmut to her cubs. Numa to the dodging skeetos she lies in wait for, stretched along a bough. Her beauty is Tishnar's. The savagery of her claws is Numinossi's. So Munza's children are dark or bright, lovely or estranging, according as Mirmit or Numa prevails in their natures. And thus, too, they choose the habitation of their bodies. Yet because dark is but day gone, and cruelty unkindness, therefore even the heart-shattering Numinossi even Imanala herself is only absent Tishnar. But there, as every one can see, I am only chattering about what I cannot understand. End of footnote. One of the first things that Nod remembered was Glint's tumbling from the great Ukka tree, which he had climbed at ripening time, bow up to bow from the bottom, cracking shells and eating all the way, until forgetting how heavy he had become. He swung his fat body onto a slender and withered branch, and fell, all a-topple, from top to bottom, onto the back of his thick skull. Beneath this same dark-leaved tree, Selim buried his servant, together with a pot of subbub, seven loaves of cakes, and a long stick of Uma's cane. But Mara Mutata, after his death, would never touch an ukka-nut again. Selim taught his sons how to make fire, what nuts and roots and fruits and grasses were wholesome for eating, what herbs and bark and pith for physic, what reeds and bark for cloth. He taught them how to take honey without being stung, how to count, how to find their way by the chief and brightest among the stars, to cut cudgels, to build leaf-huts in huddles against heat or rain. He taught them, too, the common tongue of the forest monkeys, that is, the language of nearly all the Mulgars that live in the forest of Munza. Jacket Mulgars, Mullabrooks, purple-faced and saffron-headed Mulgars, Skeetos, tuft-waving Monkwabees, flycatchers and squirrel-tails, and many more than I can mention. Selim taught them, also, a little of the language of the dreaded Gunga Mulgars, of the Colobs, and the Baba Boomas. But the Minna Mulgars, in the Umgars, or man-monkeys' languages, white, black, or yellow, he could not teach, because he did not know them. When, however, they were alone together, they spoke the secret language of the Mullamulgars, dwelling north of the Arakaboas, that is, Mulgar Royal. This language in some ways resembles that of the Portengals, in some that of the Ogawibis, and here and there, but in very little, Ganyeris. Selim, of course, taught his sons, and especially Thumb, many other things besides, 
more certainly than would contain itself in a little book like this. But, above all, he taught them to walk upright, never to taste blood, and never, unless in danger or despair, to climb trees or to grow a tail. But now, after all these thirteen years of absence from Assasimmon's palace in the beautiful valleys of Tishnar, Selim began to desire more and more to see again his home and his brother, with whom, as a child, he had walked in scarlet and mamasol, and drunk his syrup from an ivory cup. He grew more gloomy and morose than ever, squatted alone, his eyes fixed mournfully in the air, and Mutta would whisper to Nod, Stt zan nizanila taswita zan nuomi. The more cunning of the forest mulgars at first had come in troops to Selim, laden with gifts of nuts and fruit, because they were afraid of him. But he would sit in his red jacket and merely stare at them, as if they were no better than flies and at last they began in revenge to do him as much mischief as their wits could contrive, until he grew utterly weary of their scuffling and quarrelling, their thumbs and colours, fleas and tails. At last he could hear himself no longer, and one morning, in the first haze of sunrise, over the sleeping forest, he called Mutta and his three sons to where he sat in the shadow of Glint's great budding, a tree. And he told them he was going on a long journey, beyond and beyond, forest and river, forest swamp and river, the mountains of Arakabeo, leagues, leagues away, to seek again the valleys of Tishnar. And I will come back, he said, leaning his hand upon the ground and blinking at Nod, with slaves and scarlet and food-baskets and zevaras, and bring you all there with me. But first I must go alone and find the way through the dangers thick as flies. O oh, Mulla Mulgars, wait here and guard your old mother, Mutta, Mutata, my sons, her Ammas and Akas, and grow strong, O tailless ones, till I return. Zu Zuobe sis Mulgarin, in Suang, no Nuanos Zabaf. And that was all he said. But Mutta, Mutata, though she could not hide her grief at his going, helped him in every way she could to be quickly gone. He seemed beside himself, this white, old, crooked Mulamulgar. His eyes blazed. He went muttering. He'd throw up his hands and snuff and snuff, as if the very wind bore Tishnar on its wings. And even at night he'd rise up in the darkness and open the door and listen, as if out of the immeasurable and solitudinous forests he heard voices calling him from far away. At length, in his last shirt, which had been carefully kept these thirteen years, with a dead kingfisher and a bag of civet to keep off the cockroaches, in his finest red jacket, and his cap of mamasal skin, with a great bundle of manaka cake and umma's cane, knife and fire-striker and physic, and the old Portingal's rusty musket on his shoulder, he was ready to be off. In the early morning he came stooping under the little hut door. He looked at his hut and his water-spring, at his bees and canes. He looked at his three sons, and at old Mara Mutata, with a great frown, and trembled. And Mutta could not bear to say good-bye. She lifted her crooked hands above her old head, the tears running down her cheeks, and she went and hid herself in the hut until he was gone. But his three sons went a little way with him. Thumb and Thimble hopped along with his heavy bundle on a stick between them to the branching of the Mulgar track, which here runs nearly two paces wide into the gloom of Munza Mulgar, while Nod sat on Selim's shoulder, sucking a stick of Uma's cane, 
and clutching the long, cold, rusty barrel of his musket. The trees of the forest lifted their branches in a trembling haze of heat, hung with great thorny ropes, and vines and trailing creepers of cullum and samarac, vivid with leaves, and with large cup-like waxen flowers, moon-white, amber, mauve, and scarlet. Butterflies like blots and splashes of flame, we tomaniscos, ruby and emerald and amethyst, shimmered and spangled and sipped and hovered, and a thin, twangling, immeasurable murmur like the strings of Numenasi's harp rose from the tiny millions that made their nests and mounds and burrows in the forest. Selim took his sons, one by one, by the shoulders, and looked into their eyes and touched noses, and they lifted their hands in salutation and watched him till he was gone from sight. But though his grey face was all wizened up with trouble and wet with tears, he never so much as once looked behind him, lest his sons should cry after him, or he turn back. So presently, after they all three lifted their hands once more, as if his mirmut might still haunt near, and then they went home to their mother. Footnote. Mirmut is shadow, phantom spectre, or even the pictured remembrance of anything in the mind. End of footnote. But the rains came. He did not return. The long days strode softly by, the chatter and screams of Munza at dawn, the long-drawn moaning shout of Mullabrook to Mullabrook as darkness deepened. 